evangelism series. Um, you know, evangelism is a, like a core value of ours. It's something that we believe that God's called us to a church for. Uh, I believe that every uh, believer is called to evangelize, that you actually have this call on your life to share the gospel, to not keep it a secret, but actually go with the gospel. And so we, uh, we've been going through this for the past several weeks. We already went through our presence series because that's of core value, the presence of God. Prayer obviously is a core value for us. Transformation is a core value. And now we're gonna talk about evangelism. And evangelism is so essential. We talked about evangelism um, around the table. There's many forms of evangelism. Uh, there's, there's evangelisms that we've experienced in, in crusades. There's evangelisms you can experience through personal giving out tracts. And, and, and there's evangelism just through sharing the gospel with people on the street. But then there's also personal relational evangelism, which is my favorite, uh, where you actually evangelize around the table. You come together. You break bread with people that you know and that you love and that you, you invite people to your homes and share the gospel with them. This is a grassroots movement. The gospel is a grassroots movement. And so breaking bread with people is so essential. I think there's something supernatural and spiritual when you break bread with people that you don't even realize. It goes way deeper than that gluten bread you're eating. manifests in ways you might not like. But the reality is there's, there's something about breaking bread that brings people together and oftentimes gives them an opportunity for an open door to speak truth into their life. It's, it's amazing that, I, you know, sometimes I, I, I wish, you know, commentators that are on opposite sides of some topic uh, or debate teams or whatever. It, it's so boring to watch debates. I've watched so many of them. And, and when I was in college, they would make us watch certain debates about different topics. And, and you know, no one really convinces the other party of anything. Everyone thinks their person won the debate. Sometimes they do interviews and they're like, what did you think? And they're like, well, my guy did the best. I mean, he proved his points. She did this, whatever it is. And, and, and I'm like, there's, no, there's nobody who's changing their mind over a debate. I wish instead of debates, they make them eat together and talk. Because I feel like that would be way more beneficial. And, um, and so, but, but the reality is, is, is that this is the truth about eating and breaking bread with people. It's something much more spiritual, much more deeper. I grew up Italian. You guys hear this story all the time. Italian-American, a lot of my family, we did everything around the table. We ate around the table, and, and we, would, we would tell stories of our lives to each other, and, and people would be, like, begging to come to our house. Our house was the place to be, to eat. And, um, and, and not, it wasn't just the eating that they loved. It was the, the fellowship that they loved. They loved getting to hear the stories and then them sharing their story. And then before you know it, the sun's down and you've been eating and talking all night, which is not the healthiest, but once a week's okay, right? And, uh, and so it's, it, but it's like you leave and you're like, well, there's something much deeper than just a, 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 a conversation. It's something much deeper than, than just a friendship. It's almost like you feel like family. 
And this, this happens in tribes. I mean, tribes will, will, will often, if they're at war with each other, if they're at uh, disagreement with each other, they don't just, you know, go over, um, you know, bullet points on, on paper. What they do is they, they come to a common meal because it brings them around the table. And so coming around the table is, is so important. And I want, I want you to know that when we're doing evangelism this way, that it's not... Um, looking for someone who's got everything figured out. So this morning, um, the title of my, my message is called Evangelism, Eating with Sinners. Because evangelism involves eating with sinners. Now, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but what I'm, what I'm speaking about is it, it, to evangelize, you have to know people who, aren't, who don't know the Lord. Let's go to Matt, uh, excuse me, Mark 2, 13 through 17. Give you guys a few seconds. We have it on the screen if you don't want to find it in your Bible. Okay. It says that he went out again by the sea, speaking of Jesus, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. I'm gonna read that again. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that there were many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. Tax collectors of that time were people who were most likely in Israel, part of, a part of Israel, they're Jewish, but they've sided with Rome and betrayed their heritage to, um, uh, to really become wealthy um, because being a tax collector was a wealthy position and um, you're putting in a, an additional oppression upon the people. And so the people viewed the tax collectors as betrayers, okay? And so they were like, how could you do this to us? How could you? So, so they were like offensive to see anyone interacting with in a positive way. Like you wouldn't be friends with people who are friends of tax collectors because you'd be upset about it, okay? Um, and then there were uh, sinners who also sat together with them. What kind of sinning? We're not sure. But, um, you know, we know that some were uh, 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 a prostitute, some could, could be just, you know, people who were not subscribing to the Jewish law at that time, like maybe they were known to not follow the Jewish rules and the Jewish laws, so they were considered sinners. And I also wanna point out that Jesus had an effect on them. Like eating, eating with people who, who don't follow the Lord doesn't mean that you're, you know, Jesus is giving a wink like a pass to all their sin or enabling their sin or telling them it's, oh, you know, like, hey, it's okay, you know. And Jesus wasn't now sinning. He was affecting them. At the end of the, din at the, end of the dining, they're like, we gotta follow this guy, okay? So I just wanna point that out, okay. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciple, 
to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? See, most of the teachers of that day did not uh, affiliate themselves with people that were not of the cloth, okay, or who were not followers of the law. And so when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus says to them, follow me. And, and, and what does Jesus do when, when Jesus says to Levi, follow him? He immediately eats with Levi. Why? Because eating and sharing a meal has a spiritual impact upon not only that you know, physical you know, feeding of yourself, but there's a spiritual impact because this is where you can share and disciple. This is like, you know, Jesus is kind of giving us another strategy of how to bring people to him. We talked about last week how people met at the temple and they also ate around the table. They went from temple to table. This is biblical. This is how the church grew. The church still met around, uh, still worshiped together. You know, and, and, and here's a, another side note, and this might shock you. But the church on Sunday morning is designed and facilitated for Christians, for people who believe in Jesus. And they come, we come, and we worship Jesus together corporately. It's powerful. How many thought worship was powerful this morning? Okay. It's powerful. And we took communion together and we remembered what Christ did for us. And we, we ate the bread, we, we drank the juice, which should be wine, but the juice is fine. And I'm just kidding, it doesn't have to be wine. Juice is fine. It's just, it, I just am always like, those cups, I don't know, you know how they were packaged and all the stuff that's in them, I'm just, Jesus bless it and turn it into you or something, your presence, I don't know. One time I got, there was a lot of sediment in the bottom. But, mm, it's like, uh, what do they call those things with, uh, with, with, when uh, uh, army people, uh, they have their meals? What? MREs. I wanna get loafs again, but we'll figure that out. So, um, Jesus, bring me back. So, oh, church is, is, is for believers. Now, of course, everyone's welcome to church, okay? And there's many who, who come to church who, who might not be believers yet, and they're still on the fence, or someone brought them. Um, and if you're here this morning, you're so welcomed, and, and I, hope, I hope God touched you, and I hope, you know, you're, that, that faith started rising up in your heart and that you, you just gave your life to Lord because it's the best thing in the world to give your life to God. Just surrender your life to God. If you wanna come up here right now and run up and give your life to God, you're welcome to. You're welcome. But the, the tradition of the church for us to gather as believers will never go away. It's, oh, it's something for us. And if people get saved while we're meeting, praise God. Awesome stuff. But... Really, the, the evangelism, the go of the gospel, 
doesn't stay inside the four walls. It's where we actually go and have meals with people. Get around the table with people and share with people. And don't be shocked if they're not living the same life you live. Don't get offended about it. Don't judge them for it. Why? Because people don't know what they don't know. The lost are, lying, are lost. They're living by the light that they have, which is none. And so don't be surprised by it. I don't partake in what they're doing. I don't try to, uh, you know, uh, enable what they're doing or, you know, I don't try to tell them how wrong they are. What I'm doing is I'm creating an environment and an opportunity for connection to build so Jesus can flow. And so my agendas of like, putting another salvation you know, notch in my belt is not my agenda. My agenda is this. I say, God, can you show me? Can I, I wanna see them as you see them, as lost children of God. And I wanna see the value you see on them. And I wanna have your heart for them. And I just wanna love on them. And when you pray to God like that and you encounter them, you don't have, it's like you don't, you're not trying to, you know, say, oh, I, I led two people to the Lord last week because I got to lead two people every week. No, you're going like, I loved on people who were lost this week and creating opportunities now for Jesus to flow through. Because when, when connection is, so what the devil wants to do is he wants to do this. He wants to, he wants to cut connection. If he can cut connection with you and unbelievers, the percentage of them coming to the Lord goes down drastically. So he is gonna say, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have them over your house. You shouldn't, you know, what you should do is argue with them. What you should do is, is uh, uh, just start beating them over the head with the Bible until they say, I surrender. He's gonna try to create conflict because if he can create the separation of your friendships and your relationships with people who don't know the Lord, then he knows that they're not, their percentage of them coming to the Lord goes down drastically. So I, I do this. I, I, sus, I, I wrote it down so I could say it the, in the right way. Being in relationship is key to being, it's being in relationship over being right. Now, I know that we, we believe this word fully, 100%, I believe this word. I believe it's right. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that. And I'm not gonna say that they're right and I'm wrong, but I'm not gonna position myself to be at conflict with them over me being right because I wanna stay in relationship. Because if I can stay in relationship through the power of prayer and the opportunities to share my story and to share the love of God, it opens up the door for them to come to Jesus. And I've had so many encounters with people, friends of mine, who I thought no way would they ever give their life to God. Like, God, it would have to be a miracle. Well, you know what, it is a miracle. If you're saved, that was a miracle. 
okay? And so I, I would have this in my mind. There's no way this person would ever come to Jesus. And, blah, blah, blah. and But you know, I just stayed in relationship. And I kept not just showing them my life, I kept asking them how they're doing. Here's some things that are great for evangelism. How's it going? How's that working out for you? What, what areas do you have need in? My buddy and I were, we were just having an Uber, we were taking an Uber the other day and, uh, and you know, at the end of the Uber ride, I just said, hey, how are you? They're like, oh, I'm, I'm struggling. I did, can I pray for you? Do you can, is there anything I can pray for? Do you want five-star rating? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I don't do that. Don't do that. Opportunities for evangelism, it's right at your fingertips. Every family member, every friend, every coworker that you know, you might consider them sinners. You might say, man, they are messed up. They got everything backwards. They are living in, in filth. Well, they're lost. It's okay, invite them over. Let them see the light that you carry. See, Jesus, he was at the table. You realize God was at the table? God's at the table. When Jesus is at the table, God's at the table. And when Jesus was with the sinners, God was with, with the sinners. And he was able to speak into their life he gave them the heavenly food of himself, his time, his spirit, his kingdom message, his love. I don't think Jesus stopped changing his message because of the people in front of him because his whole message is life. It's truth. It attracts people. I, um, I was saved at a bar. For those of you who don't know my story, I got really touched by somebody who spoke into my life. I, I I believe God sent that person my way. And so when, uh, before I had kids and before I was married, I would go to bars and minister to people. And it was really interesting because a lot of people who are in bars would never go to church. So I would just go to the bars and minister to them. And uh, I've told you some stories and I, I don't believe I told you this one. There's a, a, uh, I was with my wife and I've been traveling a lot for uh, conferences, preaching at churches around the nation. And I'm really tired. And Randy told me this thing. He said, Paul, the, your family doesn't deserve your leftovers. Don't go on the road for three or four days and come home and then just lay, lay on the bed because you're exhausted. He said, just pretend and fake it. You know, take your wife out, take your kids out, whatever you need to do, they don't deserve your leftovers. You, you go to bed when you go to bed. Don't, don't just um, make them not like what, what God's doing in your life. So I've always lived by that. And I remember uh, before we had kids, I came home, I was exhausted. I didn't wanna do anything but I said, nope, Ruth, let's go and let's have a dinner. Let's go out on a date. And um, this is when you could just take off when you had no kids. You're like, yeah, we'll just go on a date. So we had a lovely dinner and I'm exhausted. I mean, it wasn't even that late. It was like 7.30 at night. And um, on, the way, um, on the way to the car uh, in the city of Harrisburg, there was this like bar. It was like an Irish pub. And um, we, uh, we, we were on the way to the car and Ruth and I were like, I feel like we're supposed to go in there. We had no idea why. And so um, uh, we go up the stairs into this like Irish pub and the whole half of the pub was empty 
and there was like a little rope and the other half of the pub was full. And I found out that the other half of the pub was like a cigar smoking night. And so that's why the other half of the bar was empty. And so there was only two guys there. And as soon as my wife and I walked in, these guys go, people, like people are here. And we're like, yeah, it's kind of smoky in here. What's going on? And uh, they, they just came right up to us. And my wife were like, hey, you know, my wife and I are like, hey, how you guys doing? What's going on? And they're like, would you like to play darts? And we're like, we never played darts in our life, you know? So we're like, sure. And so we, we uh, they each took one of us like as their partner because we both stunk at it. And, um, <laughs> And so, you know, we're just talking to them and we're um, throwing darts and, and um, this pub had like a window. You could like put your glass there and it would refill. And um, Ruth, is, <laughs> Ruth, is, uh, Ruth is ministering to the, her partner and I'm kind of talking to my guy. His name's Mehmet. Asking him about his life, what he's doing, all that stuff. And, uh, and he goes to put his uh, empty beer glass down at that window where they like fill it up, and as soon as he does that, I, I, it just comes out of my mouth. I go, Mehmet, how long have you been running from God? And I was like, because <laughs> I didn't say anything to him about God at all up to this point. And he's like, looks at me, and I'm like, okay, he's gonna punch me. <laughs> Something's going to happen here. And he's like, you're right. And, and, and here, um, Mehmet was just a kid on the run from the Lord. And just right there, just praying with him, just seeing the power of God come upon him. Ruth's like prophesying over this other kid. He gives his life to the Lord. And they leave and they're like, can you come to our house? It was the first thing they said. They were roommates. Will you come to our house? Why? There's something powerful about sharing and breaking bread together. Ruth was so excited. Those guys left. I was like, look, we got to go to sleep. We, you know, we're old now. And so, um, so I said, you know, I tried to, I told them about our church and everything like that. And, and, um, and, and they were um, all set to go. And we're about to leave. And this new group of young people, um, we would call them hipsters. They had like fancy mustaches and cool tattoos, but looked look like they were wearing like 1950s clothing, you know? Um, do you know what I'm talking about, this group? Kind of like Josh, but on steroids. A <laughs> little bit. <laughs> anyway, so this whole group, and so Ruth is like on this high because, see, what happens is, is when you allow God to flow through you, you experience that same presence. And you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. And so I'm t I say, okay, babe, let's go now, you know. And all of a sudden, this new group comes in. She goes, no, wait. And she goes, people. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to be here another hour. And, um, and there was a young man who's obviously the leader of, like, the friend group. And, um, and I was just able to share God's love with him and start talking to him and, and um and I just kept waiting for him to tell me to go away because I really wanted him to. And um, <laughs> I wanted the night to end. 
So I would just push what I was telling him. And he would just, he, he was vape, you know what vaping is? I don't know. He's like vaping, like a, in a thinking position. And I'm like, okay. And I'm just sharing the gospel with him. Do you know that the majority of people under age 30 do not know the gospel? They don't. They're like, it's news to them. It is. And this kid just kept going, tell me more. Tell me more. And this is what I want God to do with us as a church today. I want him to break off the fear of man. Because what it's doing, it's keeping us bound from letting the gospel flow through us. Because we're afraid of what they're gonna think, say, or do because of the gospel. And it keeps me in fear. And what we need to do is have that broken off of us and say, you know what? We have the best news anyone could have ever heard in their entire life. And if they actually receive the grace that is being presented before them, they will be transformed. And not only them, but their children. The children that they don't even have yet are gonna change because of what you're presenting to them. And if, you, and if they don't accept the gospel when you do it, guess what? God will send someone else until finally they received the gospel. I was just listening to a guy, I, I, was, I follow a Christian broadcaster, and he was showing a video of another guy who um, was famous, and he has like all these conspiracy theories that he likes to, you know, um, talk about uh, this, uh, and not the Christian broadcaster, but the guy he's highlighting. And the and he's and in this interview, the conspiracy theorist said, "I just realized that I, I did not research the conspiracy theory of God, and it challenged me. And so, what I started to do was seek and try to look up all the information about God and that conspiracy." He said, in the middle of doing that, reading a book called The Case for Christ and reading the Bible, I gave my life to Jesus a year ago. And I just want you to know that the harvest is ripe. People are literally longing for what you have. They just don't know it. They really don't. If you can communicate and and open your home and just say, come, let's have a meal together. Let's break bread. You don't have to have an agenda. You don't have to say, let me, t- let me show you all the spiritual laws and, and how you fall short. And Now, now I, I will say, if you ever invite someone over and, and if they're willing and say, hey, would, would you wanna just read the Bible together and just, you know, have you ever read it before? I would, I'd love to, how about we do that? You know, that's, there's power in that. This is the word of God, okay? Don't, do not dismiss this. Okay, but you don't need to know all the answers. You don't need to be a Christian apologist. All you need to do is share your testimony, ask them how they're doing, and then say, you know what? When I gave my life to Jesus, all that changed for me. Sometimes I I just say, you know, I I was talking to someone who lives an alternate lifestyle and, and they're trying to trap me. They know I'm a Christian, they know I'm a pastor. And I, I, I've been going to uh, places that, where Christians aren't. And uh, you know, I've, I've been doing the past year, uh, I've been doing something called uh, jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is like a grappling uh, thing. It has nothing to do with ancient anything. It literally was made just for like 
wrestlers who couldn't wrestle anymore. And um, I wrestled for six years in school, and so it's a, gra- it's a form of grappling, and I purposely didn't want anyone to know I was a pastor. And so I didn't tell anybody. And, uh, and it was interesting how all of a sudden people start talking to you and opening up to you, and, and you're like listening to them, and, and then you know, I'm you know, sharing testimonies, and, and I'm, and I'm uh, grappling this one guy, we're just like drilling a move, and, and there's like 30 people in the room, and, uh, and he's in a lot of pain. And I'm like, are you okay? Do you wanna just take a break? He's like, no, I'm supposed to work through this. And, and he says, it's actually not real pain. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, I, I'm in pain, but every doctor, every chiropractor says there's nothing wrong with me. It's in my head. And so I'm like, you know, the, you know when the Holy Spirit's like, Psh, do, do it, do it. And you're like, not here, you know? I'm, this is just odd and awkward. And, and uh, I won't say his name in case he's watching. I don't know if you would, but you know, he's local. But I just said, hey man, I'm a Christian. I know this might seem weird even in this gym, but you know, sometimes I pray for people and God heals them. And I said, do you, do you mind if I pray for you? And he went like, oh. I was like, it's not gonna be anything weird or anything. It's not like magic or anything. <laughs> like, this is just Jesus. And um, no one's gonna really know. And so I just thought he would just like stare and do, and he goes, okay, sure. And he, and he like holds out his hands like this <laughs> while I'm praying for him. Like, and I'm like, oh, oh, geez. And the owner of the gym's over there. And I'm like, oh, okay. But, uh, and I prayed for him. And um and I, you know, he didn't see any, anything happen, but it opened up this door. See, I thought, all right, he's, he's gonna reject me, but what he did was he's like, well, you cared about me. And, and now we've just been like chatting and talking and it's like opened up this huge door for me to evangelize and share the gospel. Not because I need him to come to Christ so I can tell everyone how many people I saved, but because Christ is so good, I want him to have it. It's a different mindset. And so you get to walk in the freedom and the liberty of sharing the gospel with people. And, and, and people will be like, I don't want that. Be like, okay, that's your choice. But, but when, you, when you do want it or need it, or I'm here and I'll help you. It's okay. You don't, have to, you don't have to be like, they rejected me. It's like, they rejected Christ too. People are gonna, people are gonna hate you because of him. But that's okay. Because you have Christ in you, and he's the best. And listen, if you're, sometimes I think that some Christians don't evangelize because they haven't seen the f- power that we're talking about at work in them yet. And so you confess that Christ your Lord, you, you read the, ba- the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, and, and you're in fellowship, but you just have not seen some breakthrough you haven't seen that transformation yet. And I would encourage you to keep pressing for this breakthrough with God through prayer, fellowship, accountability, reading the word, fasting, because you can get transformed. And when you get that breakthrough, when you're really walking in freedom, you know, when you're talking to people, you know, I know people who, who used to be addicts and now God has transformed their lives. They're not addicts anymore. 
they're really free, like they're truly free. Like they're not just doing behavior modification, they're not just struggling, they're actually free. Do you know what they do? They tell everybody. Because it's real freedom. They're like, you gotta understand what happened to me. Like, same thing, if you're struggling in areas and you're a Christian and you have a stronghold, it could be demonic, it could be a, a trauma that needs to be healed, it could be brokenness that needs to be healed, but you have a stronghold with lust, you have a stronghold with greed, you have a stronghold with power, with anger, with bitterness, and it's running amok of your life. You need transformation. But once you get transformed and you, you experience that freedom, it's like overflowing. You tell your family, you tell your coworkers, you tell your friends. And if you have a testimony but it's 30 years old, it's not a bad testimony. It's not stale. That baby will fly. <laughs> Share it. Share it. And it's not putting anything on them. It's just giving them an opportunity to come into something that's brought you freedom. And it's beautiful. And so this happens in relationship. It happens around the table. I encourage you, if God tells you to share something, you know, some, something with somebody on the street and, and evangelism that way, that's wonderful. But how many wanna see your friends and your family members and your coworkers saved? This is one of the main ways God will do it. Why don't you stand? Thank you guys for hanging in there. We didn't get to all the verses. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> Luke 15, one and two mentions the same verse about Jesus eating with tax collectors. Zacchaeus, Luke 19, one through 10, read it please. Um, the harvest is so ripe. The harvest is so ripe. I'm gonna pray that God would bring to your mind one to three people that you're in relationship with that you know has not surrendered their life to God. That he's gonna open a door for you to break bread with and share. And then we're gonna pray that God would break the spirit of fear, the fear of man off of you so that you could have boldness when you share. So Jesus, I thank you that you're the best evangelist. And Jesus, you know everyone. You know where everyone's at. You've preached to Pharisees, you've preached to sinners, you've preached to every type of person. Lord, I pray right now that you would start reminding us of one to three people that we're in relationship with Holy Spirit, that we need to open the door for the gospel. Whether it be our children, our siblings, our parents, our aunts, our uncles, our cousins, our friends, people we're working with, we see struggling and man, if they could only catch this. Holy Spirit, bring that person to our mind right now. And Lord, we promise, and if you agree with this, just agree with it in prayer. We promise to start praying for them right now so that we could have an opportunity to host them in our home. For you to open up a door 
for truth to be spoken over them. Lord, I pray that you would break off of anyone in New Life City, you would break off the spirit of fear, the fear of man off of us right now, that we no longer would feel restricted in sharing the gospel. We would no longer hesitate or be scared or be full of fear, but we would step out in power and in love and in boldness and, and preach your word. I just ask that impartation be on this house. Lord, I pray for those struggling right now who know you, but are still waiting for that transforming moment where strongholds are broken off their life. Lord, that you would set them free, that they would actually be transformed by your glory and they would experience true freedom. And Lord, that we would pick up the call for the go of the gospel. Lord, I just declare family members saved in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we just strike the ground. We just declare family members saved right now. Spouses saved in Jesus' name. Children saved in Jesus' name. Adult children, uh, 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 parents saved in Jesus' name. God, we just declare friends saved right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you go with us, go before us? We thank you in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Yeah, let's give it up for the Lord. Come on. There's an anointing falling on this house for evangelism. There's a mantle coming down, and I just encourage you to pick it up and run with it doesn't need to be crazy, just need to break bread with people, or pizza, any of those will do, all right, bless you guys, have a wonderful wonderful Sunday, we'll see you next week, and there's gonna be baptisms here, don't miss it, it's my favorite thing to see people baptized, I mean, just their testimony makes me cry, I just love it, so come, and um, we'll be having baptisms all year long, because people are gonna get saved all year long because of your home. So bless you.